Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on, everybody? Hey, it is Sportscast Radio back at you, as always, every Wednesday night. I think I lost my co-host. I think he, uh, I, I think I got him killed, uh, potentially, uh, but that's okay, because, uh, you know, I can run a solo dolo on the lolo if I need to. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is about that time, as always. We are getting some team previews going down here. We got the Chiefs. We got the Chargers tonight. Also coming up midway through the show, we have the one and only Chris Ransom stopping by as always to give us our fun team preview that we always uh, we always love to bring to you guys. Um, the words of Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do that. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> man, that that uh, that sound clip with our exchange with Demetrius Andrade is uh, finally making it to the board. Um, oh, he is, he, he's alive. I am. Mookie, are you uh, I, I, I played, uh, I played our sounder and then you were gone. I want to listen to it again, please. Oh, are, are, am I supposed to, Okay. So did, did you get cut off? No, I don't know. I just, I was in here and I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me, but I wasn't muted. Oh, did, was, did my answer come off? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, we heard your answer. It was fantastic. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> and then I just, once you get through the Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 He's got another really good one, too, that I was trying to see if I still had on here. Um, from the standing eight count. And, uh, oh, I do. He was in the commercial with Arnold Schwarzenegger for Tecate. People in this. Be bolder. <laughs> I can't understand. Be bolder. <laughs> Be bolder. Be bolder. Yeah. My favorite's the Manny Pacquiao. He didn't even win. He didn't try. <laughs> um, where is that? I, oh, here it is. I thought I won the fight. You thought you won the fight? Won. Why? He didn't do nothing. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. I we we used to have um his brother. Uh, Bobby the Sniper Pacquiao on here when he's like, no, it's not that blow, blow. It's a good punch, man. <laughs> he's all like defending because he got DQ'd for low blows. He's like, no. You have it still? I want to listen to it. I, do, I don't have it anymore. Well, I was why looking not? For that one. Sometimes you just got to make room on the soundboard for uh, for certain things. that I, just gotta... I did just upload this one, though, when, when Andrade wouldn't, wouldn't stop arguing with Canelo in the post fight. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he just, he's like, you are a horrible fighter, man. And everyone's like, whoa. He's like, this is my night. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, that, that's Canelo Alvarez, ladies and gentlemen. What a great show we got. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs coming up just a couple minutes. I got two rounds of Uber facts if we do want to play them. 
One will be based off of music, and one will be hodgepodge uh, throughout the years, if you will. Uh, we also got our real MVPs for the day, for the week, excuse me. Uh, each got around a three strikes. I'm coming at Luke hard tonight because he came hard last week at me. So I'm showing no mercy like Bolo Young and Bloodsport. You are not I increased my mercy. difficulty too, so. Oh, oh, that's just great. Well, let's go. That's what I like to hear. So that seems pretty sweet. We got our real MVPs here. As I mentioned, uh, coming up in the second half of the show, we got some Chargers talk. Uh, coming up a little bit after 1030, Chris Rance is going to join us to get into the NHL draft. But first, Jake, are you with us, good sir? Yeah, you uh, didn't know about if uh, we were going to talk any wrestling tonight, too. Oh, man, we could do whatever you guys want to <laughs> We could do whatever anyone wants to talk about, I'll tell you what. Just don't get me out of WWE rant. That's all I have. Let's talk about Alexa Bliss last night. <laughs> no. I didn't know if you saw it. TNA Wrestling signed uh, two under-the-radar signings, uh, both the grandsons of Pedro Morales. Oh, there we go. Did you see them? I, I did not. Let me, let me pause on that note real quick. Just bear with me here. we we got to jump into our first guest here. Jake, you with us? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, how we doing, sir? Apologies for the delay. We... We got a caller jumping in about wrestling. You're about 30 seconds too late on it, but, but um, uh, we, we, we can get into the wrestling talks in the last half of the show. We're booked up full and forced, but uh, thanks for calling in with them right off the bat. want to call back later. Uh, but coming in right now, Jake, why don't you go ahead and represent yourself? Yeah, hey, uh, my name is Jake Chorus. I write for Arrowhead Addict, uh, a Chiefs site, covers news, Chiefs analysis, all things Kansas City Chiefs, really. All right, I'm excited to talk about the Chiefs. That is a team preview that is is also so beastly, and I think the, the the memory a lot of people have right now is last season. Uh, you know, we we move in strong. Does Patty Mahomes get back to that Super Bowl? So, uh, sorry, could you repeat that last part? Oh, my bad. I was just saying, last season's always uh, going to be something people are going to think about, but does, does Patty Mahomes bring them back to the Super Bowl? Right off oh, the bat. Um, Easy question. You know, I, I think he does. I think he does. I think that the changes that they made to that offensive line, I mean, you look at just the amount of new starters they have. They have, they have four, maybe five new starters on that old line. Um, two of which, you know, Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney are you know, top-tier talents at left tackle and left guard. I think the skill positions, you know, Travis Kelsey is still there. Tyreek Hill is still there. You lose Sammy Watkins, which might affect the team. I'm not sure it affects the team as much um, or enough to prohibit them from, from reaching that Super Bowl. I think that they're in a really great spot. Um with the moves that they've made this offseason. Speaking about that uh, offensive line that you're talking about, in the second round, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs drafted um, Creed Humphrey. Is there any shot we get to see him start this season, or is he just going to be a role player in case of injuries? Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard some snippets about his role in camp, and it sounds like he's getting a fair amount of of reps on that first team. Um, I don't know how much you can draw from that, but the Chiefs had the option of taking plenty of, you know, kind of plug-and-play wide receivers who could have started immediately. 
the fact that they they opted for Creed Humphrey tells me that they they really really like the really like the kid, and I I would be surprised if he wasn't starting at some point um, this year. Maybe not right off the bat, but you know, six games in, uh, depending on in, how injuries go, et cetera. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt Ryan just for a second. Sorry, Ryan, you always do no, it to me, so I'm doing it I to you. I do do it to you. <laughs> um, so um, the five starters in the last depth chart I saw at offensive line had Orlando Brown, Joe uh, Thune, Austin Blythe, Kyle Long, and Mike Remmers. What what who who do you kick off to the side if he does start this season? Do you think? Um, well, you you kick out Austin Blythe in that scenario. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's been talk about the Chiefs maybe being versatile with Kyle Long, um, but. I, I haven't heard of, of, you know, anyone but either Blythe or Humphrey playing center, so it makes most sense if Blythe would be the one who would be, you know, knocked down in that in that scenario. You know, you guys use a six-rounder on Trey Smith, which I'm always a, an advocate for. If you got some late-round picks, take a flyer on some kind of guys, especially linemen because you never know how well they can turn out. You know, he had, he had a fairly good year under the radar in Tennessee. Not really a powerhouse school necessarily anymore for football, but I felt like he could have went a little bit higher. Are you guys happy about landing him so late? Yeah, no, uh, Chiefs were ecstatic about that pick from what I heard. Um, and j- just like you said, the the only real knock that was that I heard about Trey Smith was that he, he had, you know, a health issue. Um, so that, at, at that spot in the sixth round you absolutely go for a guy who they they had valued in the third or fourth round in terms of talent um yeah so they i mean they're excited to to accept that you know kind of low to moderate level of risk given the fact that he's shown that he he has the stuff to down the line you know be a starter i think it was a huge it was a huge steal i think that the chiefs especially just from what i read were were really happy that he fell into their laps that late um, talking about the wide receiver core for just a second, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are the obvious one and two combo in that um, offense. Who's going to emerge as that number three target for uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, I question uh, about this Chiefs team. Uh, the obvious answer would be McCole Hardman. Um, but, you know, to this point, I don't think that we've seen enough from Hardman to just automatically – assume that he can pick up that that sizable workload that a wide receiver three a wide receiver two in this case would take up um i mean i think i think the chiefs are going to put a lot into hardman at that wide receiver two spot and it's really going to be up to him because there's a lot of pressure on him because other than hardman you go down the depth chart you've got antonio callaway who had some had some promise early in his career, but hasn't really, you know, panned out. Um, Byron Pringle, who's relatively unproven, and a guy like Will Parks. Um, there's not a there's not a ton of certainty with those guys. So uh, the weight will be on Hardman's shoulders for sure to really solidify that second um, receiving option. Uh, hopefully that hopefully he steps up to the the challenge uh, there. Do you see Travis Kelsey keeping that same workload? I mean, guy led the league in catches. That's unheard of, seeing a tight end with that much activity. 
I just, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, this is like Antonio Gates back in the day. It was incredible. Does he keep that going? Is that still the, the number, the true number one? That's for a game I'm playing on the show, but I just needed my stuff. Yeah, I mean, huh? if you, you, you got to factor in like there is, there is a good chance that he doesn't reproduce the exact level of production that he he got last year. It's just kind of like a common sense thing. Um. But what, what goes along with that is that if Kelsey isn't, you know, steamrolling through the offense like he did last year, then where is that production being displaced? You'd think, you know, it's going to Tyreek Hill automatically, sure. But then the question becomes the depth beyond Kelsey and Hill, if Kelsey doesn't have another historic season or if Hill maybe, you know, it can't, can't recreate what he was able to do last week. It, it's a question of, can the guys below below them kind of stoke up that production that would be maybe missing? Because it's like you can't. It's just unreasonable to to say that oh Kelsey automatically is going for fifteen hundred yards and you know one hundred and ten catches. Like come on, it's po- It's very possible that he, he he's lower than that. And it's just it's just about how the guys below him kind of respond to that change that I think will be really interesting. How do you think uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to bounce back this season? He started off strong last uh, year with that opening weekend, um, but then he was riddled by injuries throughout the season, it seemed like, and missed a few games. Clyde is another really interesting story. I think just just from the numbers alone, you've probably come to the conclusion that his rookie season was a little disappointing just in terms of volume numbers. But, man, you watch you watch those Chiefs games and when Clyde has the ball, there's just something like magical going on. He has this kind of innate Jamal Charles-esque ability that, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans want to see harnessed into more reliable productivity. Um, I think one thing to look at is Clyde Edwards-Alaire was very productive at LSU in the screen game, catching passes. He didn't do a whole lot of that his rookie season. And I think a fair assumption is that Andy Reid, um, probably didn't didn't want to put that massive workload of, of like you know different routes and all the screen everything that goes into the screen game onto Alaire's shoulders his rookie year. So I think that if he starts um, producing in the screen game and receiving game in general, that's going to be huge. Um, and that's really of his allure is that he's not just you know, strip halfback. He he can actually line up at receiver and has, has proven so in college. So that that's kind of what I'm honestly expecting to see a little bit more of uh, from him. And then just like you said, the injury stuff, hopefully that's not as big a factor as it was last year. You know, that's, that's a good question, bringing up the Hilaire thing, because that's, you know, that to me almost felt a little, a little disappointing, truly, with just, I mean, it felt like there was so much coming in. They traded up to get him that, you know, it was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a focal point of the offense, you know, and then suddenly there's – I mean, and I get, you know, the injuries to multiple people, but they're bringing in Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell, and they're doing things like that. Is this another instance where if this starts out in, in the same way again and isn't going the right way, they go and grab like a Todd Gurley who's still sitting there and try something like that again? Yeah, you know, it's 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 very possible. Um, I know they – they signed Jarek McKinnon, which was a little confusing for a lot of fans because McKinnon is a really solid running back. So, 
you wonder, you know, what is the organization thinking about Clyde if you're going out getting a guy like McKinnon? Um, I saw, I don't know if this is that, that credible report, but there were some, some rumors that the Chiefs were interested in Gurley, too, to your point. So, I mean, I think it's, it's well within the realm of possibility if, we, if, we, if Clyde gets off to a slow start um, or hits the injury bug, you know, the Chiefs probably be monitoring, you know, those veteran running backs to, to bring in kind of like a Lev Bell um, as they did last year. I think that's certainly possible. I believe um, you guys picked up a guy by the name of Shane Buccelli. I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong. The QB from SMU this offseason. Does he make this team in uh, through camp, or do you think he was just um, adept for camp and he'll be cut? I I would guess that, that he'll be cut. Um, I don't see Andy Reid going into the regular season with um, – a non-veteran backup right behind Mahomes. I mean, it's possible that they keep uh, Shane. I'm just going to call him Shane, first name, um, on the <laughs> roster. But I, I, I would, I would, I would bet that he he would be a a camp casualty. Um, you know, one one thing I want to ask too, just wrapping up the offense here, that that kind of intrigues me, and I understand that this offense is you know built much differently than ever, every other offense is for the most part. Yeah. You guys bring in Mike Barton, Mike Burton to play fullback. And that's the only depth charted fullback is, you know, is this, is this just something Andy Reid just doesn't like running? Cause I, I thought about it before I was going to, you know, I was kind of pondering questions and looking at the roster and I'm going, man, it's been ages since I remember a good fullback. I, I'm not trying to go all the way back to Christian Okoye, but like, it's been a long time since I can remember a fullback that's of any relevance for them even using one. Bro, Mike Allstott. Yeah, no, that, that, was, yeah, he on, yeah, was he a that, chief? Um, I thought he was a buccaneer. Um, <laughs> he was a buccaneer. But no, it's yeah, it's Luke, an interesting Luke, point. Cause... You get hit with the buzzer, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you... So the, the chief, Anthony Sherman retired this year and he was you know by all accounts a really really good fullback but to your point Anthony Sherman kind of had his peak part of his career from about 2013 to 2016 Patrick Mahomes was not the quarterback from 2013 to 2016 that was an Alex Smith-led offense it was a lot different um a little less spread out a little bit more um sort of run-focused, quick pass, uh, get the ball out of the QB's hand as quickly as possible. So I think, I think as, as Mahomes got integrated into the offense and the offense became, you know, a, a true aerial attack where, you know, it wasn't just first read, um, kind of immediate connections. It, it, was, it, was, it was a more developed passing attack. Sherman kind of, fell to the wayside. He wasn't, he just wasn't on the field nearly as much. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I think it, it, it's a combination of, of what Andy Reid sees this offense moving towards going forward and just insertion of Patrick Mahomes made it so that, you know, a, 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 a fullback just wasn't as important a position um, as say, you know, wide receiver four. I'm going to 
I'm going to transition over to the defense a little here. Um, you guys lose D Ford this off season. Who's the guy that's going to replace him on that edge um, beside Frank Clark and um, Chris Jones and on that defensive line? Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of another point of, you could say, frustration uh, amongst Chiefs fans. Um, the the candidates would be, and besides Clark, would be Mike Dana, who who certainly showed some things in his rookie year last year, um, or Derek Noddy, who was excellent, but, you know, he's more of a defensive tackle. He's not, not exactly a pure pass rusher. And then their fourth-round pick, uh, Joshua Kando, who from, from what I've read and seen is an excellent physical prospect, but uh, might be a project for a couple of years. Uh, so the, the kind of point of frustration or questioning was you've got Melvin Ingram is, is still a free agent. Justin Houston, who, you know, former chief, produced well last year um, for Indianapolis, is, is, is a free agent. And um, the – I think fans went into this offseason expecting a veteran pass rusher to be added. Um, I don't know what that says about the the team's confidence in Frank Clark to take a step up um, and live up to that contract or, you know, a guy like Mike Dana or Joshua Kando. Um, but that, that's a, just another point to monitor, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that production is really going to be to the point it was, you know, 2017, 2018 when D Ford, um, and Justin Houston, funny enough, we're, we're running things. You know, you guys brought in a guy who that I, uh, I, I should say both of us, um, being, being we're based in Minnesota here, you guys added to your team. Okay. Mike Hughes, a guy that we both thought was going to be something special. You know, injuries kind of nagged a little bit. But every time that he would show signs of, of prominence, you could just see the, see the ability in the kid. But then something seemed to happen. What's the thought process right. trading in and bringing him over? Yeah, I mean, is that something yeah. that you have a good? I mean, I don't know if you guys have a better, better conditioning staff, or I just nobody could figure out what the issue was with Hughes. Yeah, I mean, and and to your point, it's it's kind of the Brett Beach philosophy to bring in. Um, you know, you mentioned Hughes. There's DeAndre Baker, too, former first-round pick who had a terrible leg injury a couple years ago. Um, Will Park. Uh, there is there's a sense of confidence that the, the Chiefs can foster an environment for these guys to, you know, rehab and produce. I don't know if I, – I can't speak, uh, you know, directly to the, the Chiefs conditioning staff, but – you know, adding adding a Mike Hughes is just kind of a part of the bigger strategy that that Beach seems to employ, which is just take these kind of low risk signings of guys who have shown at you know periods very high upside and and hope that one or two of them hit so that you're on you're getting you know starting caliber production on a very cost controlled contract. Um, so I, I, again, that's there's there's about there's three corners who I think fit into that category, um, and and we'll see how that plays out this this season. You guys uh, traded your uh, first pick this year, and your first pick overall was um, in the second round with Nick Bolton, linebacker. 
Um, what should we expect out of him this season? Is he going to be an instant instant contributor, or is he going to sit the bench behind like Hitchens and um, Willie Gay Jr.? Yeah, so so Bolton is a guy that I expect to start early, um, maybe not immediately, but early. Um, part of just just reading up on kind of the intrigue over Bolton was that. Steve Spagnuolo runs a pretty complex scheme, and Willie Gay, the linebacker they drafted last season, 2020 draft, um, had a pretty good rookie year, but at times, you know, struggled kind of putting the pieces together of that scheme. And what Nick Bolton brings right off the bat is a kind of awareness and just feel for Spags' scheme that's going to make him useful right off the bat. He doesn't he doesn't quite have the um, the kind of knock your socks off physical tools, but he's sort of like I, I like to think of him as a Hitchens on steroids. Not actually on steroids, of course, but Hitchens <laughs> a guy who, who does everything well. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Hitchens does that like like X's every box. Um, but doesn't quite exceed many. I think Bolton is sort of a stronger player of that type. So, I, I mean, I think that he's going to be a guy that Spags and Reed are going to trust to be on the field early, um, early in the season. You guys brought in six undrafted defensive players, which, once again, kind of like bringing up Shane O'Mac earlier. <laughs> Any of these guys going to really contribute? I know um, DiCaprio and Boodle, I think, has a decent shot to do something in that corner spot. But some of the other guys, I, I kind of haven't heard of, to be honest with you. I think I heard of Malik Herring, but the other four couldn't, couldn't tell you the first thing about him. These guys going to contribute? You know, Hershon Wharton last year was a undrafted free agent and, and he contributed pretty, pretty impressively down the stretch. Um, mm-hmm. which, I mean, just goes to show that the, the Chiefs don't rule out, you know, these the UDFA guys um, just because of that status. But on the, on the other end, like, the odds just typically will say that those guys won't be um, meaningful contributors. But they're, they're in a good position to be that way because we saw with Wharton last year that Wharton stepped in and, and, and was great on that defensive line. And, and that's I just and that's kind of why I bring it up because I always I feel like this team lately has had a really good eye for drafting. You know, they they saw their quarterback of the future, they made the move and got him. You know, they moved up to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which I think is why it was the disappointment um, that a lot of people were expecting. You know, you, you brought up McCall Hardman earlier. I thought that was a great guy to take in the second round that not many people were thinking about. This this team drafts really well, so that's kind of what threw me towards that. You know. It's, some, sometimes these guys just, just pop off and you mention it with Wharton, and I think that was a good take. Um, so, as we spoke about the offense earlier, obviously this team's going to put up a lot of points offensively. Uh, is this defense going to be able to hold their own to be able to win games? As Vikings fans, Ryan and I had to deal with it last year watching the Vikings put up. <laughs> 28, 30 points, but their defense couldn't stop anything, so they finished right. at a, a bad record. Is this defense going to be able to not to be able to do what the Vikings couldn't do last year? Yeah, I mean, 
I am, in all honesty, a little bit concerned about the Chiefs at cornerback. Um, they lost, well, funny enough, Rashad Breeland to the Vikings. Uh, he's got a good one. But he was really – he was just a solid starter, um, good physical corner. And you look at the Chiefs' depth chart at corner um, minus Breeland, and it's Legereus Sneed who had a superb rookie year. Um, but, again, it's just one year. You, you can't buy in too much there, but, but he's looking really promising. Traverius Ward, who's, you know, kind of a average – starting cornerback and Rashad Fenton, who I'd lump in there too. And then Will Parks, just kind of like a utility corner. Um, and then you throw in Mike Hilton, who hopefully hopefully will uh, pop off. And um, the uh, DeAndre Baker. So so if, if you can get Baker and Hilton, if you can get one of them to, to contribute, then that would kind of ease my concern but right now I'm just I'm not seeing the, the kind of depth or even the star power at corner now the, the flip side to that is that Steve Spagnolo historically has not needed um, that strong of cornerback talent in order to just efficiently run his scheme so I'll, I'll, I'm kind of I'm going to Keep monitoring that situation. I do like our safety, Tyron Matthew, of course, and then Juan Thornhill, I think, is in a, a good position to take a step up. Uh, love the Bolton selection. Um, and then if Willie Gay can can improve from last season, I think that's a really solid linebacker core. And you got Anthony Hitchens um, there, too, who's now in his, his third year in the system. Or it would be second year, third year on the team. And then I, I like our defensive line, too. Um, but, again, you know, pass rusher is something to watch. Frank Clark hasn't quite lived up to the contract, I think it's fair to say. And then, other than that, you're leaning on guys like Mike Dana. Um, so, really, just, just kind of edge rusher and cornerback are what I'm watching. But Spagnolo has shown that he doesn't need premier talent at those positions to, to really succeed. Um, but, again, that's – you know, watching a lot of Ben Ben don't break football can get frustrating. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that is is not a concern. But I, I'm a little worried about that. Um, but you know, you guys got Rashad Breeland and Patrick Peterson, so you should feel a little bit better about your secondary. <laughs> My God, after watching, I mean, I felt like John Kitna could have tore us up. I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous drop. last year. I'm like, cool, we just yeah. marched on the field. Oh, they're going right. to march right back up. <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay, they're going to come back. And, and Kirk Cousins is only playing 1B, 2B, 3B football because our O-line just stands there. Doesn't know us. Yeah. It's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Before I ask you a closing question, uh, I got I to gotta spin this real quick and uh, I, see, I see Chris. Chris, we're going to get to you in a moment here. Um, you mentioned the, the – oh, no, I figured out my own answer. Forget I said that. Forget I said that because I got confused <laughs> when I answered the wrong phone call earlier. And I was going to spin something into wrestling, but I forgot the wrestling was the other thing. Forget I even started talking. I'm going to shut my mouth, put my foot back in it. Um, I got to ask you before we wrap up here, what's your, what's your finish? What do you think this team finishes? Um, give me in the weird number. Thirteen. Oh, yeah. nailed it. We haven't had, we haven't had anyone yet say like twelve and four or thirteen and three yet. 
So that's I, kind of I a money question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was I mean, the whole point of the question was to make sure I knew there were 17 games, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing uh, um, every week until the season starts, we're doing our week predictions. And when I started writing week 18 down, I said, what the hell? And then I was like, oh, that's right. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. It is. It really is. Um, so I gotta, I, I wanna, I wanna double up here real fast and give me two seconds. Let me make okay. sure we got this. Uh, Chris, are you with us? Yes. Can you okay. hear me? Yes, sir. And, yep. and you've been a part of this numerous times, but in the tradition of Sportscast Radio, uh, Jake, I would like to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of Uberfax? Uberfax? Yes. No. Would you like to play a quick game of Uberfax with all of us, sir? Let's go for it. Yeah, sure. Uber facts. The most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Uber facts. I'm going to give you three facts or four facts, and you have to sniff out which is the fake fact that I made up is how this game works. And these are all legit, true facts. Um, Chris, you've played Uber facts this numerous times, right? Yeah, I believe the first NHL draft I covered was in 2011, and I think the first time I came on Sportscast Radio was the 2015 draft when – uh. Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel were the top two picks. So we've, we've been uber factual with people for a while. Uh, Jake, I will oh. let you be the one to pick. I have two categories tonight. One is just random, random whatever questions, and the other is based all off of music. Let's go random. All right, random. So once again, I am going to give you four categories. And you have to tell me which is the one that I made up. Okay, here's the first one. Okay. Uh, in 2014, a pack of feral chihuahuas terrorized the residents of a neighborhood in Phoenix, Arizona. They chased kids and defecated everywhere. Number two, the average American driver will spend two months of their life simply waiting for red lights to turn green. Number three, in 1969, Bill Cosby won a Man of the Year award and jokingly suggested renaming it to the Nice Guy As Far As We Know It award. And number four, in 2020, Oklahoma judge ruled that forcing someone to listen to Baby Shark repeatedly was inhumane. Jake, I'll have you go first. What do you think is the fact that I have made up? I, I think it's number three, the Cosby one. <laughs> yeah. I Chris, you're going Cosby also? All right, uh, Chris, you said you're going Cosby? Yeah. All right, Luke, what are you going? I, I'm i going to go number two. Number two. Uh, you guys are both smart to stay away from the 2020 Oklahoma judge ruling. That is a true thing that was said out of their mouth. You guys are also smart to stay away from the Chihuahua attack because somehow that managed to happen as well. <laughs> Leaving the two of it, which one would be, what is going to be correct? And if Jordan was here, he probably would have sniffed this out. But, Luke, you are correct. Bill Cosby truly did say that after he was given the award uh, some 35 years ago almost. Uh, the average American actually spends four months of their life uh, waiting for red lights to turn green, which is mm. even more horrific if you think about it. It's so. even worse, yeah. <laughs> Jake, thank you so much for coming on, man. We'll have to have you on again. Go ahead one more time. Plug everything you yeah. got for everybody. Thanks so much, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, anytime. All right, folks, we are going to move into our 
NHL coverage. Chris, my man, what is going on, sir? Plug everything you got. I'm sure all the listeners know it, but damn it, they need to hear it again. Yeah, the 2021 NHL draft will be underway on July 23rd, um, 2021, and Saturday will be the 24th. Maybe I'll come on the week of the 23rd, the draft week, one more time this year after I covered the NFL draft back in April on the NFL. But, yeah, um, thanks for having me on. And this draft, interesting. It was a very interesting lottery. They reduced the number of teams from three to two. Buffalo Sabres and Seattle Kraken got the top two picks. But I think the Kraken should have been given the best odds at the lottery instead of the Sabres. It should be – an expansion team should have the best odds at the lottery. That's how they do it in the NFL. That's how they do it in Major League Soccer, which I also cover in addition to the NHL draft. I cover all five drafts, NBA, MLB, MLS, and NFL. So it's just – I feel like the Kraken should have been given better odds. But at the same time – I really can't complain with the Sabres and Kraken picking it in the top two slots. Everything, Anaheim drops to three, and everything else relatively stays the same for the most part. So I want to ask you right off the bat, I'm glad you brought that up. Obviously, the, the consensus number one pick is Owen Power, but to me, Buffalo just got done taking Rasmus Dahlin. They may lose Jack Eichel. So Matthew Beneers, I think, could be a player. I think Seattle's sitting good at two because they just take whoever's left. Who's going one? I would put Owen Power first. And this is going to come as a shock because I think Matthew Beneers is a floor player. Like the Ryan Hopkins coming out of the Red Deer Rebels or maybe Ryan O'Reilly. I I don't see him as this high-ceiling NHL all-star caliber player, but I do think he has a very good floor, maybe even a better floor than Nuge had when he dominated and had over 100 points with Red Deer in his draft year. But the player, I think, could potentially challenge both Michigan Wolverine players for the top pick is Edmonton Oil Kings winger Dylan Gunthier. This guy, when I saw his tape, he just checked off every single box. He can do is add more muscle, but he was 170 pounds, and he added 11 more pounds of muscle, and he's still playing at a high level. So I'm trying to figure out what's the hole in his game, what's the flaw in his game, because Owen Power is good. But he's also kind of raw, and I know he gave up some goals on some line shifts against the Minnesota Golden Gophers when I watched the tape. And Beneers began the season on the fourth line, but he's been effective. He's had three goal games. He's had hat tricks. Despite starting out on the third or fourth line instead of the first or second line, he's been able to come in and get hat tricks and get goals, get assists, and make things happen when he's on the ice. So I really can't argue against him being a top-five prospect in a draft that is very thin at center, it does feel a lot like 2018 all over again when we had a bunch of defensemen and a bunch of wingers go in the first round, but it felt like a very thin center class. I feel like we're getting that all over again nearly three years later in 2021. If uh, the Buffalo Sabres do decide to trade Jack Eichel, do you think that instead of going own power, they do look at Berniers or another center at number one? I think they would take Veneers in that scenario if they do trade Eichel before the draft or during the expansion draft. Or if they trade Jack Eichel to Seattle for the number two pick, I think in that scenario they would get power and Veneers and they go back-to-back Wolverines at one and two. Because I could see them trading Veneers 
because next year and 2023 are both going to be incredibly, and you look at Shane Wright and Connor Bedard, two premier prospects, two elite prospects, two prospects that would probably go ahead of even Owen Power if they were draft eligible. And you would think that if a team's willing to offer you a first-round pick this year, a first-rounder in 2022, and a first-rounder in 2023 – that would be enough to trade for Eichel because then at that point you would have capital to move up for Shane Wright or Connor Bedard if you wanted one of those players to replace Eichel. At that point you would have the draft capital to move up for that player with three first-round picks. Where do you think Luke Hughes kind of next year and two in twenty twenty-three? At that point you'd have enough capital to move up. Mm-hmm. Where are? Where do you think? the Sabres. It doesn't matter who's pick, who's offering that. If you can find someone who offers that, you take it and you part ways with Eichel. I love Eichel. I want to see him continue in Buffalo, but he wants for a contender and he's uber competitive and I just don't see it working out with the Sabres and Eichel long term. I just I don't know if their business plan or their pitch to Eichel is going to satisfy him because we heard the same things last year and they really didn't do anything. They got Taylor Hall. They got all these players in free agency. Then they moved him at the deadline. And they could lose Ocposo to the expansion draft, too, their first-line right-winger. So I'm honestly not sure what the Buffalo Sabres are going to do now. You've got other players besides Eichel, like Sam Reinhart, that won out of Buffalo, too. And this is like the 10th year in a row, 7th year in a row, Buffalo's had a top-10 draft pick. It's at the point where... Yeah, the Penguins had this much pick when they had Crosby and Malkin and Flurry. They had a lot of top two picks, but eventually they pulled their weight together once they got George Stahl, once everyone made that roster by 2007. We've not seen the Buffalo Sabres make any attempt to improve or pull their stuff together. So I'm trying to figure out, is it just Buffalo or is it a front office issue? Because I heard Tim Pagula wife of Terry Pagula is going to announce the Sabres' first pick because they fired 23 scouts after the NHL draft because they took Jack Quinn over Marco Rossi. And Rossi had a better work ethic, more points. He was uh, closer to being team captain on the Ottawa 67s, and Quinn wasn't. And Quinn was a second-line player. Rossi was a first-line player. So after the Sabres got a ton of backlash for that pick last year, they fired 23 of their scouts. So I don't know how many members are currently on the Sabres scouting department, but I know Kim Pagula, the wife of Terry Pagula, is expected to announce the first pick for the Sabres so at the does, NHL where, draft. Where, do, where does uh, Luke Hughes kind of sit in all this? I do like Luke Hughes. I, I actually, when I update my NHL mock, I'm probably going to put him at fourth. And when I did my uh, mock in February, I gave the Sabres Luke Hughes at two behind um, behind Owen Power. So I do think Luke Hughes has a chance to go in the top five. I don't see him falling past New Jersey because I think New Jersey's going to take the best defender on their board, whether that's Brant Clark, Luke Hughes, or Stomp Simone Edmondson. I think one of those defensemen is going to be in play for the New Jersey Devils at number four kind of like 10 years ago when they took Adam Larson fourth overall. But they're hoping for a better outcome this time, obviously. And they do have a lot of defensemen in their system. So it's not like 
it wouldn't be a bad pick. I, I just feel like they need an additional body, a, a big-time leader or an enforcer. And pairing Luke Hughes with Jack Hughes may do the trick for the New Jersey Devils in terms of morale, in terms of team chemistry, because Jack's already been campaigning for his brother if he falls to New Jersey at four. And if Seattle wants to go defense, honestly, I think a pick like uh, Brant Clark or Luke Hughes might be a better selection than Matt Beniers. But we got to see what Seattle does with the expansion draft because they aren't going to make a decision until after the expansion draft. But the two names I keep hearing linked to Seattle at two are um, Matthew Beniers, and Dylan Gunther, the player I just typed a scouting report on this tonight before I came on Sports Talk. And I think Gunther, the Ducks are looking at Gunther at three. They're also looking at Edmondson, but they haven't made a decision at three. So this draft, there's a lot more uncertainty. And after the first 20 picks, you're looking at boomer bust players for the playoff team. And that's what's going to make this draft really interesting because I'm really curious to see how it, some of these teams approach this draft because I think we will see some reaches in the first round. But, you know, Montreal got Cole Caulfield in the 2019 NHL draft that picked 15, and they were able to get a steal. The Rangers pick at 15, the Dallas Stars pick at 14. So, can one of those teams hit on that top 15 pick like the Canadians did with Caulfield? That's going to be another interesting storyline as well. But to go back to Seattle, I think Seattle, what they do with the expansion draft and what they do with the number two pick is really a big deal. And I would take Gunther because you could still end up with Shane Wright or Connor Bedard in one of the next two NHL drafts if you win the lottery. And you have a, you have a really good winger and you have a really good center along with some of the players from your expansion draft. And to expect them to hit it on all the picks like Vegas did is unrealistic. But, again, what the Kraken do is more fascinating to me than what the Sabres are going to do because we've seen what the Sabres are going to do for years, and it hasn't translated. Uh, there's uh, three Wolverine, Michigan Wolverines mocked to go in the top ten. Why is Ken yep. Johnson kind of the lost man out? But he sco- he had more points than both Berniers and Owen Power this year with 27. Why why does he fall to the bottom of the first round? Do you think uh, bottom of the top 10? I have him at number 12 on my big board, but yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, he could sneak into the top 10. It wouldn't even surprise me if he went to um went top 10 or even top five because. You have so many teams that are in the market for centers this year. Buffalo, if they trade Eichel. Seattle, if they can't get a star center through the expansion draft. Ottawa needs a first-line center. Um, The Columbus Blue Jackets need a first-line center. You've got some teams that have stability with their first-line center, like the Red Wings with Dylan Larkin and a few other teams. But most of the teams, the Kings with Byfield, but most of the teams, and Kopitar, but most of the teams – in the top, picking it near the top of this draft needs first-line centers, and it's not a good center draft. So they're going to have to hope they land Shane Wright in 2022, or the rebuild might be a while. Like, it honestly might be two or three years before we see one of these teams that's picking in this top ten turn things around, because it's going to be more competitive next year, I think, with the divisions going back to normal after COVID. 
I so you know the Swedish elite league has got a lot of players that could go top ten as well. One guy that I really think could make a difference, and we haven't seen a lot of goaltenders go high. We talked about that before. Uh, Jesper Wallstead, he's a dude who I think could go top five, maybe top six. Where do you have him falling in this draft? I have him at number six on my big board, but I think I actually have him going to the – maybe I have him at seven. But I think I have boxed him to the San Jose Sharks at seven, which is where I had him in my February box. I had him to San Jose. I think San Jose takes a goalie and they get Jesper Walstead to be the face of their franchise. I really do, because I could even see Eiserman and the Red Wings pulling the trigger at six as well. So I really look for both of those goalies. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a bit of a goalie run in the first round, because there's three goalies in my top 15. Obviously, Walstead's the top guy this year, but Sebastian Costa of the Edmonton Oil Kings is pretty good. And Benjamin Gauthier was a first-round pick in the OHL priority selection back in 2019 by the Sarnia Sting. He's had two good years, 5-0 and at the World Junior Championships as well, with a 1-1-6 goals against average. So I have three goalies in the top 15 for that reason. Now, to be fair, I do think one of the – I think Costa or Gauthier will fall in the second round, probably. Depends on the goalie market. But – you know, I wouldn't fault an NHL team for taking all three of those goalies in the first round simply because it's not a strong draft like last year or like 2015. And after a certain point, if you don't have a top 20 pick in this draft, I'm not sure if you'll be able to improve your team very much in the draft and you'll have to rely more on free agency. So, I mean, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen because – after the first 20 picks, it feels like every prospect is a boomer bust player. And you just don't know. And obviously, I've got to do more scouting on these players. But it honestly feels like after the first 20 picks, kind of like 2016, where you knew who was going to go in the top 20. And after that, it felt like there were a lot of reaches, but a lot of good value picks as well. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen after that point. But yeah, I have three goalies in my top 15. And I know that's a little bit of a ridiculous number, but I just really like what I see on tape from all three of those goalies. Who's the uh, one player this uh, year in the draft that you're the most excited about the beginning of the show? And I I would say he is the one player I'm the most excited about. Because when I watch the tape, I look for a player that can play well on both ends of the ice, offense and defense, and that can check off as many boxes as possible. I think Owen Power is the highest ceiling, but I think Dylan Gunther checks off the most boxes, more of any prospect in this year's NHL draft. And that's why I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to pan out, with how this draft is going to pan out. So one guy I'm really excited for, uh, and I'm kind of hoping the Wild at 21 can grab him and and lock him up because he'd be fantastic to pair with uh, Kaprizov. And that's Xavier Borgo from uh, the Shawnigan Cataracts. You know, 20, 20, yeah. and 29 games. Fed, yeah. He is in my top – I think I have him at 16, actually. I thought I had him in my top 15, but I have him as my top-ranked Quebec major junior hockey prospect, I believe, for this entire – 
draft because most of the prospects at the top of the draft are either OHL or WHL guys, but I'm with you on him. He is good. I, I know I was thrilled when the Dallas Stars got Maverick Fork in 2020, and this guy's been learning under Maverick Fork since he got promoted to team captain, and he's done some good things. And Minnesota's got Marco Rossi, I believe, in the 2020 NHL draft, so he should be playing with Kaprizov next season too. And another Russian skater to keep an eye on is Nikita Chibrikov. He's a Russian winger. He could be in play for the Wild at 21 as well. Uh, another guy that, that looks pretty good, too, coming out of the USHL, uh, Matt Coronado. Where do you see him kind of falling in this draft? I'm, I'm assuming first round, but where do you kind of have him sitting? Is Matt Coronado the guy on the Chicago Steel who had 85 points? Yep, the winger. Yep. He, I have him at number nine in my rankings as far as overall rankings go. I have him as the ninth best player in this draft. He could fall a little bit. I could see him sliding to a team like the, the Dallas Stars or the New York Rangers because that's what happened with Kyle Connor back in 2015. I had a top ten grade on Connor, but he slid to Winnipeg. And Barzell slipped past the Bruins, and the Bruins had three first-round picks that year. And they passed on Barzell with all those picks. And the result, the Islanders knocked the Bruins out of the playoffs. So, yeah. they. And it makes you wonder if the Bruins had got those players, could they have won a Stanley Cup or at least gotten to multiple Stanley Cups? Because when you have three top 15 picks, you, your goal is to be obviously to hit on all of them. And obviously the Bruins... They may have hit on DeBrus, but the rest of the picks, yeah, DeBorrell and the other guy, Sacheo, whatever his name is from Sault St. Marie, they didn't hit on those picks. So it is what it is. Who's going to be somebody second, third round, not not going too deep, but nice second, third round that's really going to come out of this draft and be the guy that everyone went, dang, how did we miss that guy? I mentioned Godreau at the beginning of the show. He has a second to third round grade on most draft boards, but I do have a first round grade on him. I have a top 15 grade on him, the goalie for the starting thing. And I honestly feel like if the team can get him in the second or third round, they could get a huge steal if they can develop him as a goalie and he ends up panning out. Who's the guy, um, you know, day three, that, that the same thing could happen? There's only two days of the NHL draft. Or excuse there's me, the, 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 I, I'm looking. I, I, I guess where I was going like like after the third. Um, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking second and third like the NFL. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Because honestly, it would be cooler if the NHL did it that way. But at the same time, they don't want to risk competing with the NBA draft. But the first round on Friday and the rounds two through seven are all on Saturday. And the picks just fly on by on that second day of the NHL draft. I remember the draft being on Tuesday and Wednesday during COVID last year. And I think we started covering picks at like noon or 1 p.m. And then the draft ended at like 8 p.m. It was insane how it worked. But that's sort of what happened. So I think this might be the last draft on NBCSN. I know that the NHL Network will still air the draft and encores of the draft, but at the same time, 
wondering what's going to happen with the 2022 NHL draft. Are they going to air that on ESPN? Because I think the Crosby draft was the last draft ESPN aired before NBC, SN, and uh, Versus picked up the rights to the NHL. After the yeah, I don't think ESPN starts their their contract until the season is officially like until it's done until like it's the official yeah, new season. They would not. NBCSN would cover this draft, but I'm saying the 2022 draft, next year's draft. Oh yeah. Not the other one, but next year's draft. I'm curious to see where that's going to be aired on. Is it going to be just on NHL Network, or would ESPN or ESPN two pick up the first night of the draft? Because I think the Crosby draft in 2005 was on ESPN after the NHL lockout. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of curious too because you know I know I know where your where your uh, allegiance sit, and unfortunately we had to beat you in the Stanley Cup, and I apologize last year. But what do you want? Da- what are you looking for with Dallas? Well, I, to be fair, I did pick the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup. They were my that preseason true, pick but that's not your at team, all. But that's okay. I'm Dallas just is my. T- yeah. What are you looking for with them in the draft? With Dallas, I, I am looking either a defenseman or a left winger because we have Maverick Fork, and we got a bunch of good centers. So I think we have stability at center. Jake Ottinger did well for us after Ben Bishop missed most of this year with an injury. So we're going to have stability at goalie at center for at least the next five years. So I'm not really worried about that. those positions. The other positions that we could improve in, we could get more depth on the wing. I mean, Heiskanen missed some games this year. Klingberg missed some games this year. I think those injuries, along with the loss of Sagan, really affected us. And I thought we had a good 2020 NHL draft. It's just the guys weren't ready to make the jump to the NHL. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen moving forward with Dallas, because Klingberg enters a contract year. If we lose Oleksiak to the expansion draft, then I think we'll end up replacing him with Thomas Hartley, our 2019 first-round pick. And But we'd have to draft either a winger or a defenseman, because after we lost Corey Perry, we never really filled that void. We got Root Hintz. We got Jason Dickinson. We have some good players. Kiri Bonta. We have some solid role players, but they don't have the star power Jamie Benn has. And Gurionov did well in the playoffs, but he, he struck. He wasn't as good this year. Dallas, I like our future. I like our outlook, but I'd like more back six bodies on the wing and maybe a defensive prospect if we're going to lose Alexiak or maybe Klingberg to free agency because Heisman is an RFA this year. And I know Dallas, their top priority is probably going to be to secure Heisman into a long-term contract. So, obviously, I said I would love the Wild to take uh, Xavier Borgo at 21. Who do you have mocked to go to the Wild? Well, the Wild have two first-round picks. They have their first-round pick, and they have the Penguins' first-round pick. So, obviously, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with the Minnesota Wild, what they do with those two selections because I think they have a chance to really make something happen. Who, who did you, who did you mock at 21 and 25? Yeah, I'm pulling up my uh, research for those picks right now. 
because I gave the Wild – this was back in – Shibrikov is one of the players I mocked the Wild at right winger um, from SKA St. Petersburg with the Penguins pick. And then the other player I mocked the Wild was Oscar Olison, who was actually considered a first-round pick back in, like, February. I don't know if he's still a first-round prospect, but I doubled up at wing. And looking at those two players, I think if they get um, – Xavier Bolgart and Gurry Bolduck would be the two Quebec Major Junior Hockey League centers I target. If you're going to target one of those two players, because Bolduck's a guy who impressed me on tape, but his stats were worse this year than they were last year. And I don't know if that had to do with Lafreniere being gone or him getting more responsibility on the first line. I'm not sure why his numbers dropped. He was a guy, when watching his tape, he checked off a lot of boxes. Probably more boxes than anyone outside of Owen Power or Dylan Gunther. Bulldog's a guy who checked off a lot of boxes. So, I have one more question for you, just so that way we can kind of get a little little taste of what you're mocking over at Draft Utopia. Starting at 10, working your way to, to number one, what's your, what's your mock looking like for the top 10 this year? All right, I'll start at 10 and work my way to um, one. At number 10, I gave the um, my top 10 players, I gave Samuel Cosby, Samuel Cosma, Cosme's a Texas offensive tackle. Samuel Cosma, the goalie for Ottawa at 10, is my overall player. Um, Edmonton Oil Kings goalie at number nine. I believe I have... Um, I'll just give this with the Vancouver Canucks. Boo the Canucks, by the way, even though they're not in their division Canucks anymore. Canucks are on the clock at nine, but at number nine, I've, I've got Vancouver getting Fabian Lysel, the Lulela HF right winger. He is very talented. He's a guy who's surging up the boards. His teammates with Jesper Walstead on Lulela HF, but Lysel is the top skit top uh, skater on Lulela HF, while Lulela HF has the top goalie in Wallstead. William Eklund, the left winger of Jajur Gardens IF, I have him going to the Kings at number eight, eighth best player in this draft, and the Kings need winger help, so that's a player I'm looking at. Sharks get Wallstead at seven. Red Wings at six got a player that a lot of people are mocking in the top five, Simone Edvinson. From Prolunda Indians, a lot of people have him going in the top five. And to be honest, I think he has a higher ceiling than Matthew Beneers. But Beneers is not getting out of the top. And right now I have Beneers at five to Columbus. But that's subject to change pending the expansion draft. Because if Seattle gets two first-line wingers in the expansion draft, at both left wing and right wing, and Beneers is there at two, I would think they would take Beneers. But if they don't, I think they go best player on the board. They get Dylan Gunther. And a lot of that's going to come down to the expansion draft. So I do have Gunther at two, but that is subject to change. Right now I have Baneers on the Blue Jackets at five. Luke Hughes, the Devils at four. The Anaheim Ducks getting Brant Clark at three. Brant Clark has the tools to develop into a Norris Trophy defenseman. He's probably the only defenseman outside of Owen Power, maybe Luke Hughes, who has that skill set. And Luke Hughes, the only reason he dropped to four is because he suffered a season-ending injury, whereas Brant Clark played on the Barry Colts' first line in his rookie year, anchoring that blue line like Aaron Eckblad did. 
So that's why I'm a lot higher on Clark. And I think Clark is a better floor than Owen Power. I think Power still has a better ceiling despite some weaknesses on tape, despite the fact that he's kind of raw. I still think Brant Clark has a better floor short term, I think. And then I have Gunther at two. And if we're looking at the top five most NHL-ready players based on floor, I'd put Baneers at one, Gunther at two, but I think Gunther's ceiling's higher. Brant Clark would be three for me. Luke Hughes would be four. And my number five player in terms of highest ceiling is actually Jesper Wallstead, the goalie from Lulela. So Owen Power, while he has the highest ceiling, a ni- only 93 potential grade, which is the highest grade I gave any player in terms of potential for this draft, I gave him a 63 grade for floor, and I have like five players with a 71 or higher floor grade, which is really good for a floor grade because I think Nugent Hopkins had a 70 for a floor grade his draft year when he went number one overall. So I have a lower floor grade on power compared to most of the prospects in this draft. But since he has the highest ceiling and since one of my friends compared him to Alex Pietrangelo, the the former Blues captain now in the Golden Knights, if that's his ceiling, you take him at one and hope he hits his ceiling. Because this is – people say this is a weak draft, but there's talent there in the first round. If you really dig through the layers and you read the comps that have been put out there, there is talent in the top 10 and there's talent in the top 20. And then Minnesota at 21, they have 21 and 25. Are they going to try to move those picks for additional first-rounders next year? Or are they going to try to uh, move up in the draft? What they do with those picks is going to be interesting. I'm excited, man. Uh, draft's coming up. Obviously, like you said, we're talking expansion draft coming up in a little bit. We got the real draft just a couple weeks away. Chris, we'll talk again very soon, I'm sure. Uh, go ahead and plug everything you got real quick for all of our listeners before we let you go. Yep. We just updated the homepage for draftytopia.com. You can go to the uh, – homepage for Draftytopia, check it out and you can if you're on the homepage you can sign up for the newsletter by entering your email you can also follow me on twitter and subscribe to our youtube channel like us on facebook we're on all different social media platforms and i just want to thank sportscast for having me on again as always we'll talk soon chris thanks a lot that was chris ransom ladies and gentlemen everyone catch your breath Catch your breath. Catch your breath. <laughs> All right. We're, we, we ain't stopping, apparently. This trade, is, we don't even get a break with it tonight. <laughs> Jason, you with us, sir? Yes, sir. Hello. Oh, how, how are we doing? My, whew, I, was, I was getting ready to transition, and then it, it was it just it was going. It was, that's what's up, man. We're going to move forward, damn it. <laughs> Jason, rejoin us. What's going on, man? Go ahead. Uh, introduce yourself for all our listeners, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. Well, I'm, so my name is Jason Reed, as you uh, already alluded to. Um, I, <laughs> have to work. I work with, with FanSided. Um, I'm associate associative editor over there. I run the uh, Chargers and Lakers site, uh, Bolt Beat for the Chargers, oh. Lecture Life for the Lakers. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm here, talk Chargers. Oh, this man just said Lakers. I just, I just got to gotta adjust real quick. You know, I'm, I'm still, sad from, still sad from game six. Still, oh, still yeah, salty from – LeBron getting a little sad in his in his privates, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, I I, I had this fantastic frame uh, like painted picture of LeBron James dragging Steph Curry through the desert, and Curry had like <laughs> arrows in his chest, and I was okay. like, this is what's gonna happen. They win the title. 
and I, I, I got my LA, it's, I got a half and half new era fitted where it's Dodgers and Lakers and the titles are on the sides of the hat. And then the, the, the league logos are on the back of the hat. It's a fantastic hat. And I, I threw all that at my Kobe shrine. And then this year after the Brown walked off the court twice, I took that poster down and put it behind a bookshelf so no one could see it. Cause I was so damn mad. And I started having flashbacks to when I would just run my mouth against the guy. But that's not why we're here. <laughs> I'm going to get irritated. <laughs> That's okay, baby. Um, we're here to talk Los Angeles Chargers. Um, before I ask you my first question, sir, I do want to ask you one thing. How many times do you catch yourself saying San Diego Chargers? You know, I it doesn't hit me as much. I don't know if it's just because I'm riding <laughs> L.A. Chargers, you know, on every article, it's LA Chargers, LA Chargers. Um, you know, at first a little bit, but I've kind of adapted. I don't, I don't fall victim to it anymore. I like it. I like it. I think uh, last week when when I started talking about where we're going next, I think I said it twice. I got corrected <laughs> both times, and then when I got corrected the last time, then my co-host said it too, and I'm like, ha ha ha, pot kettle black. You can't, you can't say anything now. But um, being, you know, we're based out of Minnesota. And we have the worst offensive line since Pee Wee football that I've ever seen in my entire life. Our quarterback is running like Michael Myers is chasing him. It, it's, it's horrific. And we went into this draft, and I was like, I want Rashawn Slater. I want Rashawn Slater. And then you guys grabbed him. And I was yep. heartbroken, livid, heartbroken. I was a little more happy when we got Darisaw later. But I thought Rashawn Slater, I know Penny Sewell is the guy that everyone loves. You know, he went eight. You know, his last eight games, he didn't even have a, a hurry against his quarterback at Notre Dame. I get all that. But being Big Ten, we see Northwestern. We see this guy. Rashawn Slater is a specimen, man. What was your what was your level when, when they grabbed him in the draft? Oh, it was – I was just super stoked. I mean, you watch the draft play out, and you think, okay, so if this team takes this guy and this team takes this guy, we have a chance. Because going into it, it was like, yeah, he theoretically could be on the board if a few teams go this way, but it just seemed like one of those things that wasn't going to happen. It seemed like every time I saw a, a Chargers mock draft that had Slater going to the Chargers um, and Asante Samuel Jr. who went to us in the second round, it was like, okay, you guys are just best-case scenario. Like, is that really going to happen? Um, and then as the draft winds down, you know, and I believe it was the Eagles trade up, and then, you know, Dallas takes Micah Parsons, and it's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's going to fall to us. And it, <laughs> It was just, you know, I was ecstatic. So I was obviously a big uh, Panay Sewell guy, you know, living on the West Coast, watching Oregon and whatnot. But honestly, I would rather have Slater at 13 than, you know, they're, they're talking about potentially trading up, not the Chargers, but, you know, just pundits and whatnot, talking about trading up for Slater. You have to trade a future first-round pick. Look, I think Slater's a, an all-pro, or a, Sewell's an all-pro, but I think Slater is as well. So to get that kind of talent and not have to trade future draft capital, I mean, I'm over the moon, but it's the Chargers, so they'll probably mess it up. <laughs> Luke, before you jump in, I just want to say that to everybody who ever discredits, I said, I said back in May that the Chargers were in love with Asante Samuel and he will end up there. So I would just like to take my victory lap while I'm here <laughs> and on, on the air right now. You're welcome. Luke, over to you, sir. <laughs> uh, I gotta do it. I, we we had a, we had a draft that we had a draft guy on the fan side, and he told me I was crazy. And I was like, "All right, man, just wait. Just wait. I, I'm telling you." But I digress. Um, 
I don't think anyone really expected the emergence of Justin Herbert like he did last year, winning uh, Rookie Offensive Player of the Year. Um, do you think he has the same success this year? He has Keenan Allen, still Mike Williams. He did lose uh, Hunter Henry, but they bring in Jared Cook and also draft a tight end in the third in Trey McKitty. Uh, um, and Austin Eckler returns. Is he going to have the same success that uh, he had last year, do you think? Yeah, man, I think I, I think if we go number by number, I mean, it might not be identical, but I'm expecting – well, I'm expecting him to kind of take a step up in year two. Um, losing Henry is a little rough. I'm honestly – I wasn't a big fan of the Jared Cook signing. I think he's old and he's regressing, and for the same price, they could have had Gerald Everett from the Rams, who I went to the Seahawks, I believe. I could be mistaken, yeah, but he was that's who I wanted. Um, I wasn't a big fan of McKitty heading into the draft. Still not a big fan of him, but I could be wrong there. But at the end of the day, I mean – you know, he's jumping into year two. I think year two, year three, these are the years where we see quarterbacks improve the most. Uh, I mean, just look at Josh Allen um, and all these young quarterbacks who just take this leap. Um, I, I don't see – it's very rare for a quarterback to be this good, as good as he was in his rookie year, and then just be terrible. Like, there's the guys who are like – like, Baker was good his rookie year, but he wasn't this good, and then he took a step back. Justin Herbert was put, you know – uh, top 10 quarterback numbers and you know pff pro football focus they love to uh they were very low on herbert and they're kind of just like sticking to it and they they kind of bash him at every turn they get um and the argument kind of is he was so good against pressure last year this year with less pressure hopefully you know it's not sustainable i i just don't buy that i think that's kind of a lazy take um i think he's going to be great i think her, I think, you know, he has to be better with, you know, late-game situations. He was a rookie quarterback. He had a terrible head coach. I don't fully blame him. Um, but besides that, there's not a huge hole in his game, I see. He did all the things, you know, that – he didn't do all the things that I saw at Oregon when I didn't like him, honestly, when they drafted him. Um, he's great, man. I'm excited. He's going to be good. Um, you know, you mentioned the the, the, the the tight end situation not being where you'd like it to be. And we know a lot of young quarterbacks, tend to gravitate towards the tight end because it's an easy dump. It's an easy play. You kind of have that connection. Is this something that going forward, if, if Herbert kind of can't use that as an anchor because cooks, you know, I mean, I'm kind of with, he's kind of mediocre. Um, is that something that next year they got to address right away to, to really, and I know we're jumping way ahead, but, but I want to piggyback off of what he mentioned with the, with the tight end situation where, do you got to solidify yourself and get you that tight end for the young kid? Yeah, I, well, the plan is McKitty. McKitty's, you know, that's the plan is for him to be that guy. Will he be that guy this year? Probably not. I mean, he's already the best blocker in the tight end room. Um, but I think that's the plan. I think it's, you know, have McKitty learn from Cook. Cook's obviously a vertical guy. Um, that's fair. Some things, you know, develop his route tree and whatnot. Will he be able to develop? Who knows? I mean, that's kind of the long-term plan. At least they have a plan. At least they brought someone in now instead of waiting until next year to draft one, and then you have a rookie with no veteran. Um, but if Cook's not good, you know, we have Donald Parham, who's, I think, 6'8". He's a good red zone target. And then Steven Anderson, who I, I hate, you know, football fans who hype up their fourth-string tight end is better than any other fourth-string tight end. But he played two <laughs> games at the end of last year when Hunter Henry was on the COVID list, and he was really, really good. Um, granted, it was against the Chiefs' second team and the Denver Broncos, but I don't think they're in terrible shape if he has to get some snaps. Um, you know, you talk about a dump-off, you're absolutely correct. The good thing is he has Austin Eckler, who's probably the third or fourth best receiving, you know, running back in the league. So not overall, but just receiving. So he's got that safety outlet as well. 
And Pro Football Focus is booty. They got Buda Baker ranked at like 20. They're trash. I'm with you, man. <laughs> Mike Florio can kick rocks, man. He's the, he's the Vincent <laughs> man of NFL reporting. I don't know. Do you do you believe Austin Eckler returns to form this season? He suffered that injury in October last year, early mid-season-ish, uh, and then they had to do a running back by committee. Does he return back to form? Yeah, as long as he stays healthy, I don't see why he would be, um, you know, why he would regress. You know, you see it with running backs all the time, though, so I understand. Um, but he's still young. He's 26. He didn't have a lot of miles on him the first two years, first three years, really, because he was splitting time with Melvin Gordon. So while he was a featured part of the offense, he wasn't getting these premier running back, you know, like Todd Gurley, who's just getting snap after snap. He gets hurt and he's done. He's relatively fresh. Last year he was really, really good when he was healthy. Um, You know, in 10 games he had 530 uh, rushing yards, 403 receiving yards, so 900 yards from scrimmage in 10 games. as long as he's healthy, as long as he doesn't have, you know, a turf toe or a nagging hamstring, um, I think he's going to go back to, you know, threatening, you know, 1,600, 1,700 yards from scrimmage, which is, you know, what you want out of a running back. What's kind of what's kind of the depth chart beyond him? Uh, Justin Jackson sitting there, Joshua Kelly. You guys took Larry Roundtree in the third, who I think is a is an interesting pick out of Missouri. Who kind of could step up if need be? <laughs> None of them. Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson's good, but I mean, he doesn't know how to stay healthy. The dude's always hurt. You know, Eckler. This is one injury. Justin Jackson's hurt every single year, and I just—it's one of those things. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, him actually being able to play all season. Um, Larry Roundtree. I admittedly didn't do a lot of scouting on him before the before the draft. Watch some stuff after they picked them. I'm kind of wishy-washy on them. You know, these these rookie running backs, they could be so hit or miss. Um, and uh, Joshua Kelly, who is probably my least favorite charger. Um, it was a terrible selection when they made it at the time. I said it then. It's still a terrible selection now. He was the worst running back in football last year. Worse than Frank Gore, who's 52 years old. And he I just don't like him. like a truck, too. <laughs> Joshua Kelly, he does not have good field vision. He's not uber athletic. He's just like, there's nothing he's great at. And he, he, they had him blocking in special teams, which they won't do again. And that was awful. And just, they had so many needs last year and they drafted a running back in the fourth round after not having a pick in the second or third round. I mean, I, I think it's just that the, the selection being terrible value plus him being so awful last year. I just, I don't know. He could be on the practice squad for all I care. So I'm kind of worried outside of Austin Eckler. <laughs> this is fantastic. Who's going to be that uh, slot receiver this year? Is it going to be uh, Joe, Josh Palmer, who they drafted in the third round? So it's probably going to be Tyron Johnson. I think they're going to move, uh, I believe, Mike Williams. It might have been Keenan. It was either Mike or Keenan. I'm pretty sure it was Mike. Uh, had a quote saying, you know, Brandon Staley's new offense, they're going to move him around more than they typically would. Um, I think it's mostly going to be Tyron Johnson, who's kind of like that typical deep threat burner slot guy. Um I'm fine with him being the slot. Keenan Allen's really, really good in the slot, but then obviously you take away his outside presence. But Tyrone can also play on the outside, um, so Keenan could play some slot. Josh Palmer, he projects – so, again, this is the Chargers kind of doing a two-year selection. I didn't love the Palmer selection either, but we'll see how it you know pans out. But Palmer is pretty much very similar to Mike Williams in terms of being kind of that jump ball, deep you know route guy. 
And I, I just don't see him playing much this year unless Mike Williams gets hurt, and then you kind of need that X receiver. Um, but with Mike Williams, he's really redundant. So I think Palmer's a two-year selection. He'll get, you know, intermediate snaps here or there. But then next year when Mike Williams, you know, gets overpaid by some desperate team, um, I think Palmer's the plan to kind of replace him. So I don't think Palmer's going to make that much of an impact this year. You know, I, I, I got a really quick just say, this is this – is, uh, we talked to 32 NFL writers a year. This is the first person who wasn't just jocked his team the entire time. And I think this is utterly fantastic to, not to change the <laughs> flow of the interview. But, man, finally somebody who's counted like it is. And if you don't know, now you know. I'm excited. Well, this, is this is great, man. It's, it's a problem. I mean, I'm a Charger fan. So, you know, you get, like, beat writers and reporters who cover teams that they don't like. You know, I could be a Steelers fan writing about the Chargers. That's not the case. Like, I'm actually a Chargers fan, and, you know, sometimes I clash with my staff and we argue about things, and it's like, look, guys, it's fun to predict them to go 12-4 and every year. I get it, but we have to be realistic. Like, I really like the Chargers. I think they're probably going to be a playoff team, but at the same time, I could look at areas like, okay, they're not great here, they're not great there. Like, I just don't see the value in coming on here and just, you know, brown-nosing the Chargers for you guys. (laughs) Oh no! It's it's like literally like uh, last, last or two years ago when we because I'll just tell you spoiler alert spoiler alert here for for everybody. The last question I'm going to ask you is what do you think they're going to their record's going to be? So we'll get to that when it gets to it. But two three years ago we had every single writer had their team like almost at a 500 or better. And I'm like, there's no way in hell that all like the Detroit Lions <laughs> are not going nine and seven like. Well, Detroit, that's, the, that's the perfect record. If you notice, like, go and read all these way too early record predictions. If you're like, and I'm, I'm guilty of it this year because I have the Chargers in this range, but I actually mean it. Last year I predicted them to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They went 7-9. and nine. So um, the perfect range is it's always like the mediocre teams. They always predict either – well, it's different now, but last year it would be like 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. It's like – that, that's the range. And then if you're a really good team, they'll predict 15-1. and one. If they're a really bad team, you know, maybe they'll predict 7-9. But 20 of the 32 NFL teams are going to have a 10- or 11-win record. And that's just how the predictions always are because riders are like, hey, be modest and not do 13 games. But I do think they're going to win double digits. So I've noticed that. It's pretty funny. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, we had, a, we had a gentleman that, you know, I'm not going to call him out. You know, you, you guys will hear him when he comes on. But he, he writes for the Browns. And he went like like five years in a row where he's like, we're gonna be ten and six, and I'm like, you guys win three games a year, like, come on, man, stop. <laughs> anyway, I, I apologize, I didn't mean to get off track, but I'm just I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Um, you guys bring in Corey Lindsay. Now you guys are running half the Green Bay Packers on your offensive line here, adding Slater to the, to that team. Does this O-line hold up enough that Herbert can really make some magic happen and keep doing what he's doing? Yeah, man. I mean, last year I was really cold on the offensive line, even though on paper it made improvements. I didn't really like the Trey Turner addition. He was regressing. And I didn't like, you know, Forrest Lamp or any of those guys. Um, This year's different. I like our offensive line. Now, is it going to be a top 10 offensive line? I mean, maybe if Slater, you know, comes out of the gate and is just elite right away, but and you know, Lindsey repeats his pro his uh, you know career year from last year, but it should hold up as long as they're not barren with injuries, which injuries are going to happen. Um, we're going to lose, you know, one of our tackles for three games or our guard for three games. Like it happens to every team to you know project predict them to not be you know injured is just silly. Um, 
but it should hold up. I, I actually feel good. You know, Matt Feller, if you look at, like, his advanced numbers, they're kind of wishy-washy, but if you look, he's really bad as a tackle, but he's actually really good as a guard, so it kind of evens out to, like, these mediocre stats. They're going to play him at guard. Um, we picked up Odeo Obushi, who's, like, he only played eight games last year, and he had really good numbers. I, I don't buy in on him fully, but we also drafted Brendan James in the fourth or fifth round, and I was really high on him. I, I gave him a third-round grade, so I was, you know, stoked for that selection. Um, you know, and as long as Lindsay, you know, stays healthy, if Bulaga can get back to form, you know, this really can be a good offensive line. And even if it's a league average offensive line, that's the best offensive line they've had in a decade. So I, I like it. I'm not going to predict them to be great, but I think they, they should at least be serviceable, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I want to trans- transition over to the defense here for a little bit with the loss of um, Melvin Ingram. Um, who's that other, besides Joey Bosa, who's that guy that's going to step up and take that other pass rusher um, weight? Uh, Uchenna Inwasu, in, in I always butcher his name. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could spell it. i terrible in saying it every time. Um, that's who they're hoping it is. He's third year out of USC. He was a second-round pick. He's shown flashes. Um, I like him in spurts. You know, has he done it as a, a full-time starter? No. Um, so that's kind of like, is he going to take that next step? Who knows? Um, I think they're also hoping Jerry Tillery, he's entering his third season, so that means Nwasu is his fourth season. Um, Tillery's been awful. He was a first-round pick. Uh, the Chargers misused him, though. I mean, honestly, he was, you know, projected to be like a, you know, a strong side defensive end. He played defensive tackle in college, but he wasn't big enough for the NFL, but they still played him at defensive tackle, and it just didn't fit. Um, and I think with Brandon Staley, I don't know if there's going to be another – there's going to be a second guy. I think they're going to kind of do what they did with the Rams and mix it up and really kind of take the focus off of Joey Bosa and try to get him on these one-on-one matchups and then take advantage when they do, you know, get two-on-one on Bosa. And maybe it's just, you know, a, a collective kind of effort. That's the hope. So the hope is coaching kind of takes over. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Ingram comes back. Um, he's not going to sign for a big deal. The Chargers have like $20 million in cap space that they're just, you know, sitting on. Yeah, it could roll over to next year, but I'm not a big fan of rolling over that much money when you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, it's not a rookie quarterback. but So I think it could be one of those deals. Antonio Gates, a few years ago, he signed after training camp, after all the preseason games. He signed like five days before week one. I, don't, I just don't think he wanted to do the preseason. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw something similar with Melvin Ingram unless there's news that he signed somewhere else that I didn't see. If not, ignore all that. So, uh, uh, the gentleman who keeps calling in, talking, wanting to talk about uh, wrestling, we'll get to you. I promise, don't you can stay on the line. You don't have to keep hanging. Wrestling, up ooh. Oh, we are. <laughs> I, that, that this is based off of pro wrestling, baby. This is this. That is the. Are you a wrestling fan, sir? Uh, I was, and then I, I've gotten out of it. I mean, oh, that's I was. Once Punk left, that's kind of when I started uh, waning. Honestly. Ah, uh, no, we are. We are like we. I went to Tokyo in 2019 to cover wrestling for 11 days. Like that's what this this is this show or not this show, but this network is based off of our wrestling. We just we love talking sports on the side hobby, <laughs> kind of a deal. Yeah. And there's somebody that Fun called time. in earlier, and they're like, "I want to ask you about this, and I want to ask you about this." And I was like, "You gotta hang tight. We have nine interviews to do." <laughs> so, Fun fact: um, My uncle, well, he married in. He married my aunt. He grew up with the Young Bucks. He's actually mentioned in the Young Bucks book. His name's Dustin. Um, oh, I was in a wedding. Sick. I was in their wedding with the Young Bucks. So I kind of know them a little bit. And to see them kind of awesome. shoot into superstardom. 
when, yeah, um, crazy. when Small he world. ran that all out or all or yeah, I, I think it was all out. I can't remember if it was all in or all out, whatever. That first uh big show in Chicago when none of them were signed. Um mm-hmm. we went there and, and uh we we got on we were on podcast row and got to got to talk with them and Kenny Omega and everything. It was so nice. It was so it was the coolest experience ever. They're like, Hey, here's your guys' booth, you're gonna get that. We're gonna have you on Westwood One at one point on the center stage and you know, if you guys need anything, you talk to this person who will call this person. I mean, it was the most incredible experience and they were two of the nicest human beings like I could have ever imagined. Like so oh, yeah. kudos, man. That's so awesome that uh the connection, the small world, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so awesome, man. And uh and for everybody who uh, who is uh, wondering if he was scared to say uh Mwosu, don't worry. Uh, I will eventually ask him about uh, Amen Ogbong Bamiga, but we'll do that in a little bit <laughs> after that. <laughs> First, I gotta ask you, Thanks how is this secondary signing up? Ben Laduca comes in, Mark Webb, a couple safeties that are cut. You know, I mean, obviously, Derwin James is the, the guy, I think he's fantastic. Chris Harris Jr. from Denver, you know, came in earlier last year. But it's still kind of up and up. Like, I feel like there's still kind of that, like, the train's on the track, but there's not anyone kind of conducting the train. Is this secondary going to show up this year? Again, it's it's having faith in the coaching staff. And Brandon Staley does deserve some faith. I mean, looking what he's done with, you know, the places he's been, uh, the Rams specifically. I mean, there's so many guys on the Rams who were mediocre. And then, you know, Staley went last year, and now they're signing big deals. John Johnson, I mean, he was good, but gets a $64 million deal with the Browns after that, after, you know, Staley kind of helped him. So I, I think it's, if we can stay, like I said, injuries happen, but if we could stay relatively healthy and, you know, Staley can do what he did in, with the Rams, I think this could be a good, a good secondary. And, you know, the hope is Derwin stays healthy. Derwin's fantastic. He can play anywhere on the field. He's kind of slept on because he's been hurt the last two years. Now, does he come back a hundred percent? Who knows? Um, uh, Michael Davis, he's fantastic. He's, Super toolsy. So he's six three and he runs like a four three forty or four four. It's like he's insanely quick. He's big Jeez. and he just it, like not many corners can you know say that. Um, he might not be six three. He's probably a little shorter than that. But he's big and he's quick. And I'm excited to see Staley get his hands on him. We re-signed him. He took a big step up last year. He could legitimately be like the guy when you look at the Chargers. It's like, oh, that's the Casey Hayward coming out of nowhere and being a Pro Bowl cornerback. Um, is that a guarantee? No. But he's the guy who has the most upside. Asante Samuel Jr., really like him, man coverage. Yeah. Um, that's what we're going to be running more of. Um, super stoked to get him. Yeah, he's a little short. I don't care. He'll be fine. Chris Harris is fine as a slot corner. I, I, I wasn't thrilled with that signing because he's old and he's regressing, but if he's just a slot corner, you know. So it's just kind of how Staley utilizes it. The safety position's really thin. Um, the player to watch is Nasir Adderley. He's in his third year. He had a lot of potential heading into the league. And he was hurt his first year, then had that weird second year, which is really bad. You know, the Chargers played a lot of uh, single high safety last year. They're going to change that to split zone safety. And the hope is that he takes a step up because it's literally Derwin, him, and then Alohi Gilman, who was a sixth-round pick last year, and or fifth round, excuse me. And he's just – Alohi Gilman's fine, but he's kind of a special teams pick. So the safety position is really thin. So Nasir Adderley, I feel, I feel like the defense makes or breaks on him which is kind of scary because he's not been great. Well, it's one of those things, too, where it's like you don't see many guys getting drafted out of Delaware. <laughs> yeah. That makes it wild, too. But uh, I digress, Lucas, up to you. 
Uh, how are you feeling about your guys' first-round pick last year and Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma? In college, he was on short, in, in a short-term a stud, one of my favorite players in college. Do you expect big things from him this season? Oh, yeah. I love Kenneth Murray. Um, you know, he's he's got Pro Bowl potential. I, I don't want to go as far as say all pro this early in his career, but he's exactly what the Chargers have needed for years and haven't really had. They had a, a very minor version of that in Denzel Perryman, but that middle linebacker who could play behind the ball, who could call the defense, um, you know, coverages and whatnot. And he's just, he's super athletic. He's, you know, a big hitter, as you know. And, you know, he, he really showed improvements in kind of reading offenses as the year went on. And his big problem, and it was a problem going into the league, it wasn't a surprise, was how he would be in zone coverage. It wasn't great to start the year, but he got better and better as the year went along. So, again, with Staley, hoping he maximizes him more, uh, Murray having a full year under his belt, continuing to get better in zone coverage. Um, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. I really do. I think Herbert and Murray, you know, I'm I, very critical of Tom Telesco, but them and then getting Slater this year, like, that might just save his job for another, you know, half decade if the Chargers, if it doesn't work out. But they have those guys. Um, I really like Kenneth Murray. He's great. Uh, so, I, I got to ask you, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You guys brought in a kid from Oklahoma State who I think is not a gimmick. As some people, I've heard people refer to him literally as a gimmick, which I think is crap. I think this guy is going to shock some heads and, and really make an impact. What's your feeling on Amen, Amen Ogbomia uh, coming in at your linebacking court? Um, look, I'm not even going to try to say his name. I'm just not. <laughs> <Ogbomia>. <laughs> I, I have to copy and paste his name still. That's to the extent that it is with me. Um, look, I mean, these kind of signings, you know, I don't want to get too excited, too excited about it, but everything, you know, I've read about him from people who watched him more in college. Again, I didn't watch a lot of, you know, tape on this guy heading into the draft. I didn't expect the Chargers I mean, to pick Oklahoma State who watches. Um, yeah. I've watched some, um, you know, after, you know, they signed him and whatnot, but – I, I like his potential. I think right away he could really help us with special teams, which is, you know, much needed. We were, I think, the worst special teams in NFL history last year. It was just, you know, terrible. If we can get a good, you know, gunner on, you know, the punt team or, um, you know, just kickoff team, someone who could, you know, run down, make some big tackles, and just, you know, develop them. I don't think he's going to play this year. Our linebacker room is actually pretty decent. Um, yeah. But I, what I have seen, I like his potential. And if he can help on special teams, he's instantly, you know, a huge, you know, plus. And then if he develops, you know, he also is exciting. So, Mr. Uh, Ogbong, whatever his last name is that I can't say. Ogbong, yeah, I can't say it. He's got the wheels Uh, on him. And, you know, for for a dude dude who's coming in six feet, 233, he's got some wheels on him as an interior linebacker. Like, I obviously – I obviously gravitated because I, I was, I was in, you know, somebody, somebody pointed about to me and I was like, dang, that dude, that's a wild ass name. And then I'm watching him like, this guy's kind of got some talent to him. And then I started watching even more and I'm like, he's kind of got some moves. And then he ends up not getting drafted, which, which surprised me. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like that, uh, the other linebacker, the guy that, that I was totally intrigued by, uh, Divine Diablo. Mm-hmm. I was like, that mm-hmm. is the coldest name I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I want to get that guy in Jersey. <laughs> you know? And, and there's just those certain things you see, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And, 
I don't know. I just I like this tape, and I was into him. So I had to throw it out there, just uh, especially when when you mentioned the the other thing. But um, before I wrap up, uh, I gotta ask you. I told you this was gonna come. What do you got for the record for the year? I hate that you have to ask me this because I just smack talked. I don't know if they're true, <laughs> but I just smack talked every other rider for predicting ten or eleven wins for their team, and here I am predicting the Chargers to go. 11 and 6. Um, oh, he hit it too. He hit it. We are, um, you, uh, you officially <laughs> continue the streak going of people not going 11 and 5 or 12 and 4 and not botching on the 18 week season. <laughs> I look at it and the games, you know, so I have them, um, I did a whole record prediction. I have them um, losing both to the Chiefs. I know Chargers fans are optimistic. They think we're going to split, but, you know, it's the Chiefs. I think they'll play them close. I have them beating. You know, some of their big games. I haven't beaten the Steelers. I am so low on Big Ben. I think by the time – and they got the Steelers late, which is better for the Chargers because Big Ben's arm might actually be out of socket by then. Um, <laughs> so I, I love that matchup. Um, I haven't oh, – I hate, I hate Robert Furner, so you can trash that man. Oh, my God. Um, I haven't said Robert Furner, if you're listening, man. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Cadell Alvarez told you to leave. But yeah, and then I have them, you know, I have them losing to like, you know, Baltimore, um, losing, I have them splitting with Denver because they just always split with Denver, um, losing to the Browns. I think Browns are, you know, a quality football team. Um, So, and of course I have to say you guys from Minnesota, I haven't beaten the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, it will probably happen. (laughs) <laughs> well, our quarterback does go 1B, 2B, 3B, 4B. I still say this, though. Try it! I still got to throw that out there. <laughs> but you're probably not wrong. I wrote an article. So one of my coworkers is – he runs a Viking site for fan sighting. And, like, you know, we're like – we were both hired at the same time. So, you know, we work together closely kind of. And I wrote an article kind of like – teasing him a little bit, but it was like when the, the 17th game was added and it was announced it was going to be the Vikings, I just wrote an article like, Chargers get a, a winnable game against the Minnesota Vikings, you know, <laughs> and the article talked about Kirk Cousins and the secondary last year, which I know they made additions and everyone thinks Patrick Peterson's going to be great, but again, regressing corner, how does that work out? Um, so I wrote this article just talking about it. And it found Vikings Twitter, Vikings Reddit, whatever. And I had so I had Vikings fans in my email inbox, in my Twitter mentions. Just they were all over me, just telling me I was an idiot. I have a one hundred dollar bet with some random guy I've never met before. As long as the quarterback, running back, and number one receiver are healthy, and some other Vikings fans like, well, if you're so confident, why do you want your team to be healthy? I was like, well, because I don't want to bet now, and then Justin Herbert, you know, be hurt. Like that's just dumb. So I have a hundred dollar bet on this game. <laughs> Oh man, I can only hope, man. Like, like I said, I feel like when Cousin pikes the ball, he's going one b two b three b four b, and then he's got to throw it because our O line is just a bunch of dunderheads that just stand there. God bless America, <laughs> man. I'm so I'm so glad we put this up and made this work. Uh, this this was fantastic, Jason. Uh, I'm so glad you're able to come on and we could we could make this work. This was a this this is the best interview we've had in all of our predictions. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there, Luke, right now. You fight me if you want to. So I don't give a shit. I'm having a great I'll time. I'll fight you. <laughs> Let's go, baby. I'm going to come at you like Canelo Alvarez. 
You're, you're, you're Billy Joe Saunders, and I'm Canal Alvarez. I'm a body shot you. That's okay. <laughs> um, before we let you go, I have one more set of this. Um, have you ever heard of the, the Twitter Uber facts? Yes. You have? U- the Uber, yeah, they, they were around. They were like one of the first Twitter accounts, weren't they? Let's they would always go. Random facts. Yeah. He is the first person in seven years that's heard of Uber facts. Bro, they were like the first famous Twitter account. Oh, my God. Uh, Jason, we, we, I think we just became best friends. Like, we're going to have bunk <laughs> friends like, like stepbrothers. Do, do you want to play? <laughs> so, so we have a game that we play with all of our callers uh, called Uber Facts, where I will give you four actual Uber Facts, but one of them I have changed, and you have to sniff out which is the one that is fake that I've altered. Would you like to play a game of Uber Facts with us? I would love to play a game of Uber oh, Facts. Oh, shit. Uber facts, <laughs> the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, mark your calendars. Je- uh, June 9th, 2021, we finally have somebody who knows about Uber facts. <laughs> Woo! I'm excited. As I said, most people know that I have four facts. I have altered or changed or made up completely one of them. You have to sniff, sniff out which is the fake fact. Jason, we'll have you go first. Luke, I'll have you come and clean up right behind him. Here is the first fact. Fallout Boy was originally a Blink 182 cover band. One in five country music songs refer to alcohol. One in three to tears and one in seven to their mamas. In 2018, Australian researchers discovered that sharks could recognize jazz music. And number four, Kid Rock wasn't raised in a trailer park. He grew up on a six-acre estate with a 56, 28-square-foot house and an apple orchard. He is the son of an affluent car dealership owner. Jason, what is the fake fact? So can I, can I talk through this? Can yeah. I? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so Kid Rock, I mean, he has to be the most fake, like, trailer park kind of I-came-up-from-nothing guy. Um, so I think that's true. Um, you mentioned the, so the first one was, what was the first one? Fallout Boy was originally a Blink-182 cover band. I, I could totally see that. And I could totally see it being even, even if they weren't like a total Blink-182 cover band, maybe they played like three or four Blink-182 songs on their set list. And then it gets to Uberfax and it's like, oh, they're a cover band. So even if they weren't fully a cover band, I could see how that could happen. Um, the Sharks and the jazz music. That's the one that makes no sense, and for that reason, I think it's true. I think the one you made up. I think the one you made up was the country music one because I think you might have tweaked it. Maybe it's one in four songs, whatever. But that's just so stereotypical. I feel like you made it up. He he covered it with the clutch. That that's that's usually the numbers. Uh, Luke, what do you got, sir? I'm going with the country music too because I feel like the statistics are way higher. <laughs> so obviously the Kid Rock one that was an easy that was a gimme. That was completely wrong. Uh, he really was raised uh, by a rich family. He's not trailer trash. Um, his, he's just trash. So we're gonna kick that one out. You guys are right stealing from that. Uh, the Australian researchers won. That is correct as well. Uh, sharks could recognize jazz music. They would. They would come more towards the shore trying to figure out what was going on. So you guys are right to stay away from that. Which leaves two left. The country music and the cover band. 
and I hate to tell you this, but the country music one is correct. The Blink um, one is the cover band. It actually was Panic at the Disco was originally a Blink-182 cover band. So you were right sniffing out that I changed the numbers. I just changed the band. Boom! Panic at the Disco? <laughs> <laughs> I had to Google what bands are like Panic at the Disco to figure out Fallout Point 2. So I was like, oh, this thing works. <laughs> Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, that was that was fantastic, by the way. My God, I'm excited. Jason, that was one of the best interviews we've had on sports all year. I want to thank you for coming on. I'm glad we could make this work. This was great. I hope we can chat sometime down the road during the season here about the Chargers. Absolutely. Or just in general. Have you come banter. Uh plug away once again everything you got for all of our listeners for your material. Uh, yeah, so if you want to check out Bolt Beat, I mean, if you're a Charger fan listening, you know, you're one of 12 of us. Um, we're <laughs> at BB underscore Chargers on Twitter, uh, Bolt Beat Facebook. The website's just BoltBeat.com. If you're a Lakers fan who happens to be uh, listening to this, uh, Lake Show Life is the website, LakeShowLife.com. Um, I have a movie podcast with my buddy Tyler. This isn't through work, this is for fun. It's called Within the Lines. We review movies. Um, I'll go check that out. Within Lines Pod, I believe, is our Twitter. I'm butchering that. Um, that's really fun. You know, we, we, this interview, if you like this interview, it's just more of that over there. Um, and yeah, my personal at eat your readies, it's a play on at eat your weedies, read being my last name. Um, and yeah, I'd love to come back on. Maybe when the Chargers and Vikings play, we can come on, I can come on after and we could uh, recap it a little bit. If you oh, want. fantastic. I got, I got to ask you, you, said you have a movie podcast. I just got done yes. watching Primal Fear for like the 10th time today. Have you ever seen Primal Fear? I can't say I have. It's uh, Richard Gere, Edward Norton. He's the the attorney. And Edward Norton is the schizophrenic guy who killed the archbishop. If you haven't seen seen this film, I'm going to stop everything I was going to say because I was about to give like a drastic spoiler. Go (laughs) watch this movie From, from now until we chat again. Your homework is watch Primal Fear, and then I'm going to ask you about how crazy the ending of this movie is, because it's one of the wildest finishes I've ever seen in my entire life. So I have just okay, given so you we'll, It's called Primal Fear. Okay. So what we could do is if I come back on, so on our podcast we do, it's called a movie ranking scale. We have five categories, and it's one, one through 20. You give it a score. And then it comes out to a score out of 100. That's how we review movies and rank them. Okay. We have a database. So I'll watch this. I'll come back on. I will do a movie ranking scale of that movie. And maybe I'll send you the, the outline, and you could do one too, and we could do one on this podcast. Hey, let's do show. it. Let's Sorry. Do it. And, and if, if you end up talking about it yours, I'd be glad to come on yours and, and, and talk about the movie with you too. I, I have no problem jumping out and cross remote and having some fun, man. So, but I'm yeah, telling you, you're going to watch this movie and go, oh, my God. This, is, this was like Edward Norton before American History X and Fight Club and all that stuff. So I love Ed Norton. So You don't talk about, about Fight Club. Oh, sorry. I forgot that was a rule. <laughs> don't tell John Cougar Mellencamp or whoever that guy was. Or Meatloaf. Not, uh, Meatloaf, not Mellencamp. What am I talking about? <laughs> Oh, I'm excited, man. We will talk soon. Jason, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I can't wait to talk about not only the Chargers, but Primal Fear with you. It's going to be a blast. Thank you guys for having me on. Have a good night.
Man, we this I told you Luke this night was gonna be just rocking and rolling. Yeah, I'm I'm I've I have now gotten there. <laughs> I'm excited, man. Hell of a show. Um do we want to do three strikes and real MVP before we do our week three predictions? Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Let's um let's go into this first. So my real MVP for the week is somebody that Chris Ransom didn't mention on our NHL draft because he talked about everybody we didn't ask him about. Um, Taya Curry, 16-year-old, becomes the first woman ever drafted in the Ontario Hockey League draft. Uh, the Sarnia Sting, the Sarnia Sting uh, where Steven Stamkos used to play, selected, uh, selected her, uh, Taya Curry, who's a goaltender, with the 267th pick in the draft. So the first ever woman drafted into the Ontario Hockey League. Just fantastic. Uh, that's, that's way cool that she, she made it. Um, it. It stands out hard. 1992-93, the Tampa Bay Lightning in their, in their uh, first season had Mino Rayom, uh, a woman, played in the NHL for them in the preseason. She played against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, so I've, I've, I've seen this before, and I think it's fantastic, and kudos go off to her. That is a great pick. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that I did not put as much effort into, <laughs> into <laughs> my uh, – my real MVP of the week is Floyd Mayweather Jr. for knocking out for knocking out uh, the Paul I wouldn't Brothers. be surprised to see the Power Five, you know, move away <laughs> and, and <laughs> holding him up so he didn't look stupid. That's your. That's, that's get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! Because I was so excited to watch that video where Floyd Mayweather punches Logan Hall in the face, and then he, like, falls <laughs> Terrible. Come on, man. You were that basic? Yeah, I was that basic because that made me excited. My you... other one that I, the other one that I was thinking about was uh, Kevin Durant because uh, Giannis cannot guard that man. Oh, man. Are you chopping up crack in the background? No, it's this, like, bubble thing my kids left on the table, but it's, like, crack, so it's tight. <laughs> By the way, I just got to play this clip because I find it so funny. This is Paul Pierce. For everybody who knows, I hate the Celtics because of the uh, Lakers Celtics rivalry. But this is Paul Pierce getting clowned on, na- on national television. Like I said, if you put them in the Eastern Conference, they could be fighting for that playoff spot also. Splitting an award, though, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't take it. We don't, either one. Because, see, there's an asterisk on Ben Simmons because Hold he... Hold on, there's a what? There's an asterisk. Because he's in his second year. He had a chance to... <laughs> asterisk. Asterisk. You are killing me tonight. Yeah, that's not what I mean. <laughs> it's like East Coast <laughs> killing me. <laughs> you guys, y'all just speak proper English We do, second. Paul. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> he said Ben Simmons has an asterisk on him. <laughs> Big ass ostrich too. Hey, did you see who made it to the conference finals in the NHL? No, I did not. Was it your Tampa Bay Lightning, though? Yeah, yeah. 
and they're playing the New York Islanders. And they're trash. Who cares? Yeah, the, the Islanders beat the beating the Bruins in six games. Told you to take the Islanders. You don't listen to me. And you did. But you did it as a joke. You weren't even being serious. Yeah, but when I but here's the thing is I am so smart in my sports knowledge, like Asante Samuel Jr., which I said for weeks and got told I was wrong. That even in joking with you, I still got it right, dude. That's because you're tight as fuck. Oh, my man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. Aguilar. <laughs> With that being said, we gave our real MVPs. I got to fight. Where'd the clip go? The clip has, the clip has, here it is, baby. Right. Coming in here sponsored to you by WrestleSports.com. Use promo code WrestleCast. Get 50% off your order of all your supplements, energy drinks, everything you need. We got you covered. RepSports.com. Promo code WrestleCast. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, nah, I'm going you? first. I'm going first, little bitch. Okay. Okay. Right. He oh, needs no. some milk. He needs some milk. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. The All right, so this one, I don't know if you'll get these, but I got faith in you. I would like you to announce the last 10 number one picks in the NFL draft that were not quarterbacks. What the fuck kind of convoluted shit is this? <laughs> Okay, hold up. I got to wrap my head around how confusing this is. Okay, the last top, the, the last 10 NFL picks who weren't quarterbacks. Top, number one picks. Number one, so the first yeah. overall pick. Um, do you want to – here, let me tell you something before you start. The, la, the, the, the last number one pick that wasn't a quarterback happened in 2017. Going back 10 from that was 1994. Oh, my God. So, 2017 was Miles Garrett. I know that. Yep. So, that's the last one that was the number one pick. In... Um, Mario Williams. They, yep. He is number five. He was drafted in 2006 to the Houston Texans. Okay. Let me – 2016 was Goff. 2015 was uh... – Jadavion Clowney. Yep, he was uh, in 2014 to the Texans as well. Um, 2013 uh, tackle. The Chiefs tackle. Chiefs tackle. Yep. Uh, fucking. He's Central Michigan. Fucking. He's yeah. trash. Yeah. Um, I'll give oh, it I'm, to you. <laughs> I'm tapping my four. Eric Fisher. Eric yeah. Fisher. Okay. Yep. 2012 was Locke, that's the quarterback. We had Cam Newton, we had Sam Bradford, we had Matt Stafford. Before that, then, was Jake Long, right? Yep, yep, 2008, Jake Long. So you have the top five. Okay, Jamarcus Russell went next. I already said Mario Williams. We had Alex Smith, because that was the Rodgers draft. 2004 was Philip, no, not Philip Rivers, it was Eli Manning, because they traded. 
Oh, my God. Was uh, Orlando Pace one of them? Yep, that was in 1997, so that's number seven. So there's one oh. in between Mario Williams. Uh, Keyshawn. Keyshawn was. Yep. yep, he's 96. Um, so you're missing three. You're missing number six, number nine, and number ten. Number six. Number six. Uh, what is is there? Is it is it cheating if I ask for the year of number six? Uh, the year two thousand. Oh, uh, Levar Arrington. That is your no, first. Uh, Courtney Brown, same team, yep. Penn State. Penn yep. State. Okay. Courtney okay. Brown. Yep. Yeah, because he took the the flag in the eye from the ref and then never played again. Yep. Oh, speaking of Penn State, Kajana Carter. Uh, running yep. back. He went yep, to the Bengals. Yeah, that's number nine, sir. You need number ten. Oh, my God. This was the Marshall Falk draft, wasn't it? It's, uh, so this is 94, so, so... Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, number one. Nope. That is your first strike. Well, didn't I get Aaronson wrong? Yep. Okay, yeah, so second strike, yep. I don't. I, I have no idea. What team took him? Oh, that I'd have to look up. Hold on. I, I don't know. I, I'm fucking. Uh, Todd Stussy. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I know. I know Stussy went the '94 draft. Like I know that because the Vikings took him in the first round of '94. I bet you can fact check that, and I'm right. I'm sure you are, yeah. All right, but I, so I don't know who number. One. I I got nine of them. I don't know who at number one. So it is the since they had the number one pick back to back, Cincinnati Bengals in '94. <laughs> it was defensive tackle Dan Wilkinson from Ohio oh, I, State. I would have never fucking got that. The only reason I the only reason I even saved those last three was because uh, Lavar Arrington set me on a Courtney Brown and Kajana Carter run. I almost said Kim Diakabatuka. <laughs> I would have never gotten down. I'll take a 90%. Fuck it. That's uh, 90% is good. You're probably going to do I'll way better that. than I am. All right. Um, shut up, you old British bitch. Um, for everybody who's listening right now, we will be going podcastable at the top of the hour. So if you get kicked off listening live, I apologize. But if you download the podcast, we will be able, you, you will be able to hear the rest of the show. Um, I accidentally closed my fucking thing. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, piggybacking off of... I, you know, you said you went easy on me. I got nine out of the ten right. You got to remember, I'm a draft aficionado. I love the draft. I wasn't sure if you'd get those, because some of them I didn't. Like, I don't even know who the fuck Dan Wilkinson is. Yeah, well, that's... And obviously, what was the one I missed? Yeah. <laughs> Dan Wilkinson. Kachana Carter was a bad dude, man. He didn't do good in the pros, though, right? He was just a bad dude in college? No, he was real good. Oh, I thought he wasn't good. No, like, I, or yeah, yeah, yeah. College, he was really good. It's just in the pros, he wasn't that good. Yeah. It's because he went to the Bengals. He, the he Bengals is where you go to die. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, in honor of what you asked me last week, I'm going to ask you to name for me the top 10 NBA players of games played in the regular season. Holy fuck. Ah. Yeah, I came at you hard, dude. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go LeBron James. Um, Le- LeBron James. Really? He's number, nine. He's number 19. Dang. Um, Tim Duncan? Duncan? Number 10. Okay. Kareem? Kareem? Number two? Kobe? Uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. Number four. Really? Dang. Um, a regular season, you said, right? Regular season, yep. Um, I don't know if he'll be on. No, I'm not even going to say him. Maybe. Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan? Really? Number 10, Tim Duncan. Number yeah. nine, Jason Terry. Oh, weird. Number eight, Kevin Willis. From the oh, Hawks. Vince Carter's on there. I'm an idiot. Vince Carter's somewhere on there. Yeah, Vince Carter is number three. Uh, uh, number seven, Kevin Garnett. Number six, Carl Malone. Number five, John Stockton. Number four, Dirk Nowitzki. Number three, Vince Carter. Number two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Can I number, get number one. Nope. Is it? Is it? Uh, la, la, la. Oh, no, never. Never mind. What were you going to say? I was say Bill Russell, but... So number one is the big chief, Robert Parrish. He he played with McHale and Larry Bird. Yeah, yeah. I, I know who all of them were. I just... I was thinking, like, popular players. I didn't think of, like... like yeah, it's hard to but... think, man. That's why I hit you with it, because you hit me with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. What's up, Coco? <laughs> Let's move into our week three NFL picks here. Uh, first game up Thursday night, we have the Panthers uh, against the Texans. I got the Panthers. I'm going to go the Texans. You would. Uh, then we have the Chargers versus the Chiefs. Um, The Chiefs. Which, ironically, we had the Chiefs and Chargers on our show tonight. I'm going to uh, go Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs also. Cardinals and Jaguars. Uh, Cardinals. I'm going Cardinals as well. Bears and Browns. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go Bears with the upset because I think Justin Fields will start by week three. Let's go. I went Cleveland Browns. I, I, didn't, I didn't rely on it. <laughs> uh, Washington football team against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills. I'm going Bills as well. Uh, Colts and Titans. Um, I'm going to go Titans now that Julio's there. I'm going to go Titans as well. Uh, Saints and Patriots. Ooh. Drew Brees Ooh. and Tom Brady are both gone. Patriots. I'm going to go Saints. I'm going to go Patriots reluctantly. Uh, Falcons and Giants. I'm going to go Giants. I'm going to go Falcons. Uh, the Bungles and the Steelers. The who? <laughs> I'm going to go the Steelers only because it's early in the season. So, Ben, I'm I think go, will perform. I hate the Steelers, but I'm going to go Steelers as well. Uh, Ravens and Lions. 
Ravens. I already had your name written down. <laughs> uh, Jets and Broncos. Ah, this one's hard for me. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Broncos just because of that defense. I'm going to go Jets, but I'm afraid if Rodgers is there, I'm wrong. Uh, Dolphins and Raiders. I am going to go... I'm going to go Dolphins. I'm going to go Raiders. Uh, Buccaneers and Rams. I'm going to go the Rams. I'm going to go the Buccaneers. This this week is really split. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks and the Vikings. I'm going to... I hate this. Is Blair Walsh playing? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, oh, where Where's it at? At Seattle or is it at the Vikings? I believe Vikings are the home team. I'm going to go Vikings. I'm going to go Seattle because they beat us every single time we play them. Uh, Packers against the Niners. Niners. Are we – what are we thinking Aaron Rodgers is? So I think Aaron Rodgers will be – so I'm going to go 49ers either or. If he's not there, the 49ers will win. And if he's there the, – the, hold on, I got to sneeze. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Packers based on I picked Jets over Broncos with him not being there. Yeah. And then uh, Monday Night Football: Eagles and Cowboys. I'm gonna go the Eagles. I'm gonna go the Cowboys. I'll go the opposite way. The Eagles. Eagles. That is their show, ladies and gentlemen. Told you this shit was gonna go fast as hell with our three guests on. Liked it. Oh shit. Uh, J- Jason Reed, can't wait to chat with him again. Jake and Chorus, fantastic time going on, Chiefs. Chris Ransom, you're fucking crazy. Thanks for coming on. He, not only did he take over the show, but he like told us when he was going to be back on at the beginning of it, too. Yeah. I just want to point that out. I literally went and took a shit as he talked. That man took over uh, sports talk, as he called us. Fantastic interview. I super hard. <laughs> ah, we love you, Ransom. You're fantastic. We will be at next Wednesday with the thought that we will have Cardinals and uh, Rams as we yep. close out the West divisions of our NFL team previews week four as well as the NFL. Uh, we'll be back 10 o'clock next Wednesday evening. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good one, everyone. I, I'm starting to get drunk, I think. This is tight. I'm about to you get on and be the show. Me too. Huh? Yeah, we're Me about too. To I'm going right now. All right. Peace out. Bye.